Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Nittany Blues podcast. Penn State has just secured a spot in the Big Ten tournament finals. After beating the Indiana Hoosiers 77-73, to Penn State is set to take on the Purdue Boilermakers in the title match for the Big Ten title. Vince, this has just been a storybook ending from beginning to almost end here. Yeah, and if they were to win against the Purdue Boilermakers, this would be the ultimate uh, Cinderella story. Uh, a month ago, it looked like they were not even going to get into the NCAA tournament. And uh, here we are a month later. They are playing for a uh, Big Ten championship and they're you know, looking to be a, a 10 seed uh, before the win today. So they might even move up to an 8-9 matchup. Uh, you know, So some big wins for the Nittany Lions, all close wins, all by four points or less. So five games over the past two weeks won by uh, four points or less. So, you know, they've definitely been the uh, cardiac cats. And uh, uh, for sure, I think our heart rates will be up, uh, you know, for the Big Ten Championship tomorrow. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, just the the stakes literally could not be higher. I mean, uh, this is the first time that Penn State is in the title game for the Big Ten tournament since 2011 uh, with that Taylor battle led team. Uh, And, you know, right now, I mean, Penn State is just battle tested. Like, even though uh, they let Indiana hang around and uh, really cut into that lead, cut it to just one point in the final moments of the game, uh, they found just a little bit left in the tank, got a couple of really key free throws and uh, just ultimately gutted out another close win. Um, You know, when when the game was uh, at, you know, like a 10 to 15 point lead with only a couple minutes left, I thought that maybe finally we were going to get out of one without a, a stressful ending. But boy, were we wrong. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that's one, the first thing I want to get to today. Uh, we've talked about it the past few days, uh, free throws. They were about 60% in the, the first two games in the big 10 tournament. And I flat out said, uh, if they are not shooting, you know, 80% or better, you know, they're probably not going to, you know, continue to move on. And, um, had they, you know, shot below 80, 80%, they would have, uh, only won by one point today. And you would have had Indiana with a much better chance, uh, to win the game, especially with, you know, how well they were pressing and Penn State's inability to uh, break the press as they had several turnovers. Um, free throw shooting definitely was, you know, the biggest difference maker in the game today. Not only did they, you know, get to the line a lot more times, they they made Indiana pay. They knocked down 88% of their free throws. That was above and beyond my expectation. So really happy to see them really turn it around from that perspective, especially uh, since Penn State looked tired out there. Uh, they started off the game four of seven from three. And then, you know, to the halftime break, they were uh, only one of eight. So they started off the game five of 15. Uh, Coach Shrews did a really nice job making adjustments. He, he pointed out, hey, we're settling for threes too much. We got to get to the inside more and take advantage of those opportunities. They only shot uh, eight in the, the second half, but they were three of eight. So they were much better with their shot selection, including some, uh, you know, a big three from Andrew Funk, uh, you know, contested pull up. That was, you know, absolutely incredible. And uh, yeah, so 
that was a big coaching change that I saw. And uh, lastly, the the area where they improved the most was rebounding. Uh, they were out rebounded in the first half, uh, you know, especially on the offensive boards. Uh, I believe it was five to one. And in the second half, uh, Penn State, you know, got eight offensive rebounds, uh, probably about halfway through the half. And um, a lot of that was uh, due to Kevin Jai. He, he led the team in rebounds with nine. So really good to see him um, st- showing up in the stat sheet along with, uh, you know, Jalen Pickett and Seth Londy. So they did a great job, uh, you know, on the boards tonight. That was really big in the matchup. And then outside of the last two minutes, they were they did really well on turnovers compared to the, you know, last night against the Wildcats. Uh, I believe they only had four you know, heading into those last two minutes. And then, you know, things got kind of crazy as Indiana started to uh, press. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, they did enough to win and they pretty much fixed everything I wanted them to fix uh, when we were talking last pod. So talk to me a little bit, though, about those final moments, because it seemed like things were just getting a little too casual for Penn State, especially as they were trying to inbound the ball. I mean, I made the comment that it just kind of seemed like Funk was out of sorts, like trying to find a spot to inbound. But even the commentators were saying, wow, it's kind of interesting that they're not screening a guy open to inbound the ball here. So did you uh, see similar things out there like was Penn State just a little too lackadaisical with trying to get the ball in bounds because that led to more than one Indiana basket uh in the closing moments yeah it seemed like they were doing the same thing every time uh you know for the most part the only change they made was they had Pickett inbounding and then Funk ran to the the sideline to go out of bounds and then pass it in that way um so that was really the only change they made uh I am really surprised that they have Funk uh, doing the inbounding since he is the the best free throw the best free throw shooter on the team, so he's the guy I, I want getting the ball at the end of the game and who I trust most to knock down some free throws. So I, I am kind of surprised he's the guy passing it in. Um, so but like really they they didn't do much. They had guys cutting one one guy to the left, one guy to the right, and they knew Indiana was going to trap in the corner, but they didn't have another guy there to quickly pass the ball to and, and Indiana defended really well. And we just found ourselves in trouble and, you know, they, they call it the coffin corners in basketball for the reason you don't want to be there, especially in a, in a press situation because then you have the baseline and the sideline and you pretty much have four people guarding you essentially. So really, you know, disappointing that they, you know, just settled for the coffin corners and, you know, there weren't guys going towards the floor more, um, you know, getting to the middle to get open and, you know, even, uh, you know, making an occasional deeper pass that, down the court that can stretch out, you know, the the defense, you know, kind of like in football, um, you know, when you have a deep threat that stretches out the, the middle of the field, you know, for other areas. So, uh, you know, really surprised they didn't try to mix it up, especially with how poorly it was going. So, uh, you know, happy they made down, made their free throws down the stretch for the most part. They only missed three tonight uh, and they got to the line 26 times, which is really fantastic. Uh, I like that, you know, early in the game when we weren't in the bonus, a lot of the fouls were shooting fouls. Um, so I really like that they were being aggressive and going to the basket and not just uh, settling for, uh, you know, contested threes. They were uh, you know making them, making the most of the clock and trying to get an easy shot and, they were really only taking threes for the most part if like there was only a few seconds left in the shot clock, which at that point you're just trying to get it to, to hit the rim and hope for a rebound if you uh you know 
are defended really well. So, uh, you know, overall, I'm I'm really disappointed with uh, how they handled the press. But, you know, at the end of the day, a win's a win. Survive in advance. So with their opponent tomorrow, uh, Purdue, I mean, just given how talented they are, it seems like they might look to exploit some of that uh, press defense that or lack thereof that Penn State displayed down the stretch, uh, just giving them some easy opportunities to put some points on the board. What do you think uh, are some things that Penn State has to do to kind of shore up um, that part of their defense just to make sure that they're not uh, giving up some scores in bunches the way that they did in the final five or two minutes against Indiana? Yeah, that final minute 45 was just an absolute train wreck, uh, you know, from a, a coaching perspective, you know, when you're when you're in that situation, um, you know, it's definitely high stress. Like I I always hated being the player that was out of bounds and bounding. Like I wanted to be like running around catching the ball because, you know, it's just uh, you have five seconds to inbound the ball. So it's not a lot of time. So it's almost like, a, you know, a quarterback who, you know, is getting pass rushed and, you know, uh, five seconds is uh is a long time, but it doesn't feel that way, you know, when you're passing it in and, you know, Andrew Funk did the, you know, smart veteran thing to uh, call timeout earlier, uh, on that first possession, but you know, you can't do that every time. So, um, you know, Penn state needs to be a lot more diligent getting open. And, you know, when that first guy gets the ball, you got to continue to move the ball around the, the ball moves faster than people. So you can throw a ball faster than you can dribble. So, uh, they need to, you know, when someone has the ball, they got to find an open space. They got to move, create space, get that ball, and you know, keep on working it up the floor to get across the line. And then once you uh, you know cross half court, they're just going to foul you, and you just got to knock down your free throws. So definitely, uh, you know, need to be ready to make quick passes. I think that's the you know the best way to beat that uh, that press. And if I'm Purdue, uh, you know, seeing how Penn State handled that poorly today, and you know they've they've kind of struggled with it all year, so it's not anything new. Uh, we don't have the most natural ball handlers outside of a couple guys. And, you know, it's really hard to get away from two people in general. So if I'm Purdue and, uh, you know, I need to get something going offensively, I might I might run the press and try to force Penn State into some turnovers. Right, right. Uh, so, you know, overall, though, would you say that Penn State has kind of put themselves into a position to succeed tomorrow? Because obviously they're going up against a just talent wise superior opponent Purdue um, all season long has been a mainstay in the top five of the NCAA rankings for college basketball. Um, They're likely going to be a pretty heavy favorite for this game tomorrow. Uh, That being said, Penn state is riding a really hot streak. You know, they have their battle tested, like we just said, and uh, they've won now. What is it like eight out of nine or nine out of 10, whatever it may be. So, you know, this uh, Purdue is not, unbeatable as we've seen this season. Uh, but I think it's probably still going to take a Herculean effort by Penn state to overcome them. But what are you going to be looking for the most, uh, for Penn state coming out and, uh, taking on the likes of Zach Eady and crew? Uh, so on the defensive end, the thing that I am looking forward to, uh, the most that I think they need to do is uh double Zach Eady. Um, you know, the best thing you can do is take away their best player. So I thought they did, a good job of that today at times with uh, Trace Jackson Davis. Um, I, I really liked a lot of the doubles I saw, but at the same time, they were also rotating really well defensively and doing those assignments well. So the guy who um, you know who leaves to double team, you know, the guy they were guarding is obviously going to be open. So whoever's closest typically needs to rotate over, and then you know the fourth guy needs to rotate over to the next guy, and then you know that last guy you know, has to rotate over to his guy. 
So essentially, the, the guy you want to leave open is uh, somewhere where the guy who's being double teamed, they're not in, in the line of vid- vision or to make a make an easy pass, or it's like far enough cross court that um, you have enough time for everyone to run and rotate back and get to their guy. And, you know, you can still close out and make a, a con- make them make a contested shot and you're not leaving them like clearly wide open. Uh, so that's the big goal uh, that you want to be want to do when you're double teaming. And I thought they uh, did that really well. A lot of times tonight uh, against uh, Trace Jackson Davis. So I definitely would be looking for them to do that against uh, Zach Eady defensively. Um, it's going to be really tough though, because uh, you know, Mason Willis, um, if he's a guy who can get hot, we, we saw him off the bench torch us for 29 points. Uh, could have been 30 if he knocked down some free throws at the end of the game you know, in a foul situation. So can't let him get hot. And then in the first matchup, you know, you, you had uh, both uh, Brandon Smith hot from three and then Fletcher lawyer in the, the second half, they, they can both light it up from deep if they get hot. So it's a, you know, really tough team to, uh, you know, take down because they have a lot of good three point shooters. And then they got a dominant big man who you have to double, um, you know, in the middle or else he's just going to go off for 30 points. So, Purdue does present a lot of challenges. Um, so this is going to need to be a high scoring game. If Penn state is going to compete. Um, I think their best way to win is, uh, you know, shooting better from three. If they shoot 33%, like they uh, did tonight, or I guess it ended up being 36. Um, that's not going to be good enough. They're going to need a 40 plus uh, shooting percentage from three to win this game. Also, I'm going to be looking a lot for the mid range game. And, uh, you know, I'm really looking for Jalen Pickett to have a good game in this matchup. Um, so what happens with Purdue's defense is Purdue is able to, um, play tighter on defense around the arc, because, um, if they get beat off the dribble, guess who they have in the paint. They got seven, four Zach Eady, who's going to be able to really alter a lot of shots. So not only does his size, you know, present, difficulties offensively, but on the defensive end, it makes it really hard to score. So I'm looking for a lot of mid range jumpers from guys like, uh, Jalen Pickett, Cam Winter, Seth Lundy, I'm looking for all those guys to get in that mid range game. And then hopefully, um, you know, as Jalen starts to, you know, get the mid range game going, I, I hope that will cause other defenders to collapse and double team. And then we can get guys like Andrew Funk or Seth Lundy or miles dread to knock down some open threes. Uh, and a guy that I think could be an X factor. Uh, I don't know if coach Shrews is going to try to stick with Keba because he has a little more length and had a pretty good game today or a guy like Mikey Hen. Uh, so Mikey Hen is actually the highest uh, three point percentage shooter on the team. He leads the team with a 48.1% three point percentage. And um, if you have Mikey Hen around the arc, that's going to you know draw Edie out because he has to respect Mikey Hen's shot and he can knock those down at a high rate and that could open things like backdoor cuts and cutting to the basket. So I think Mikey Hen uh, could really be the X factor. Uh, you know, I think he's going to have a hard time, you know, defending him just because of uh, the height difference, but you know, he's a strong guy. So I think uh, he could really be an X factor in this game for Penn state trying to be able to uh, keep up offensively. Also, he hasn't been getting a, a ton of minutes. So, He's going to be a little fresher compared to uh, some of the guys like Andrew Funk and Lundy and Pickett who have been playing uh, over 35 minutes per game.
Super detailed breakdown there. So I want to switch gears back to Indiana here briefly because, you know, one thing that really kind of stuck out was in the midpoint to three fourths of the way through the game, it really seemed like Penn State was kind of in cruise control for a little bit, you know, keeping up that 10 plus point lead. What were some things that stuck out to you that Penn State was having some success with that was uh, helping them uh, maintain that lead for as long as it was up until, you know, the 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 final five or so minutes, like what was Penn State doing really well on either side of the of the floor to help them maintain that lead? Yeah, they did some really nice things in pretty much the middle 15 minutes of, of both halves. Uh, Indiana did get off to a good start as they led 12 to six, but the Penn State uh, went on a really big 22 to four run um, in the first half. It was more they're knocking down threes. Um, you know, they're able to get to the basket, especially in the, in the second half. Uh, you saw Jalen Pickett start to get hot and he was attacking the paint and then free throws were, uh, you know, a big part of it too. You had uh Seth Lundy get fouled on a three and knock down all three free throws. Other guys were getting fouled, knocking them down. Uh, I remember early in the game, it was like seven and seven. And I was like, I'm not texting our group chat. Uh, they're going to miss if I do that. And they made it all the way to. I think it was 21 for 21 or 20 for 20. You know, that's really good from the line. And that is, that was awesome to see after I've been bashing them on how bad their free throw shooting was. So it was really awesome to see them you know, execute in that way. And, you know, that was the X factor in this game. And that's why Penn State was in cruise control. And, you know, they got to the foul line a lot. They knocked down the free throws. And when that happens and you play good defense, it just slowly builds upon itself. And uh, I thought that was a big key tonight. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hood Fashino are really the, the the two big guys on their team who do a lot of scoring. Uh, you know, Keba had difficulties guarding uh, Trace Jackson Davis, but you know, really overall, I thought we did a really good job guarding Jalen Hood Shafino. Uh, he he looked good in the the very beginning of the game, and then kind of uh, cooled off, and he was over three from behind the arc. So I thought Penn State did a really good uh, defensive effort tonight. They were great on the, the glass. They out-rebounded Indiana, which was huge. So they just dominated the, the second half on the boards. It's just those turnovers were so abysmal those last two minutes that they almost you know really threw the game away. But yeah. uh, you know, thankfully, uh, yeah, because you know, it got down to one point with mm-hmm. 35 seconds left. And you know, thankfully, Penn State was able to get it across the court. And I'm like, wow, um, you know, we're gonna take a shot. And we're probably not going to score because we're trying to milk the clock and there's going to be five seconds left and the Indiana is going to hit a game winner. Um, you know, fortunately for us, they fouled Seth Lundy or Seth Lundy. And <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, this adrenaline rush has got, got me going and, uh, you know, can't think straight, but he, he was really clutch. He knocked down, uh, you know, two free throws, kept it a, uh, three point lead. And then, uh, you know, Cam Winter closed out, made one or two and, you know, really put the game away. So it was just, you know, combination of good defense and uh, knocking down free throws. I hope Cam Winter is OK to go tomorrow. He he had a little bit of a nasty uh, fall as the guy really fell and rolled up on his ankle. And right. uh, I, I think he actually got lucky there because it looked like his foot was out of bounds before he got like like pushed and tripped over. So I think uh you know, he almost got lucky there in a way, you know, it's kind of rare that you say an injured player gets lucky, but you know, I, you know, for the team, 
you know, lucky that the foul, the foul was called on him because that uh, very easily could have been called an Indiana ball. So that's you know, interesting. Yeah. So a couple things went Penn state's way and, you know, free throws that that's on them and they, they knocked it down. They executed perfectly. And that, that's what you need to do, especially uh, when your team's not knocking down threes, when you can get free throws and the other team can't play defense on you, that's the, the easiest shot in basketball. So yeah, unless you're like Kevin Jai and you're by the basket and no one's around you and you can like jump up and dunk, you know, your higher percentage, <laughs> yeah. pretty much the free throw is like the highest per- or should be the highest percentage in, in college basketball. Right, right. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about Penn State's outlook moving forward, because when they beat Illinois, they were projected around an 11 seed uh, getting a by in the uh, in the first round of the NCAA tournament, so they wouldn't be the first four teams playing. But now they've made the championship game. Do you think that they've moved kind of into that nine or eight seed range now? Um, I can see them being a nine. Uh, DeCourcy had them at a ten, and he had them at a ten. I think even before the Northwestern win. So um, it, it is tough because you know Penn State's winning, but also a lot of the teams in that same tier as them are also winning. So it's really a lot of like the five through 12. It's just kind of a, a crapshoot at times because the way college basketball is now, um, there's so many good programs and like the seating, you know, five. And that, that's why you don't see perfect brackets. Like there's so many upsets because the teams are so close in ability. And you know, if one night you're not knocking down threes or, you know, have uncharacteristic with a lot of turnovers, um, you know, you know, crazy things can happen. So, you know, I don't think the seed really matters quite as much. I, I think they could be up in that eight, nine range potentially. And, you know, if they win, I'd, I'd say they're definitely up in that eight, nine range, uh, maybe a seven if they can upset Purdue. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think the seed particularly matters that much. Uh, you know, obviously you would like to be a seven because then you're not playing a number one seed in the, the second round, most likely, unless um, a UMBC uh, upsets a one seed like Virginia did that one year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think Penn State's going to get that lucky. Uh, that would right. be a pretty easy, uh, relatively easy sweet 16 run. So I'd say right now they have a good shot to, to be an eight, nine, but yeah, they might be at 10. You, you never know exactly what, you know, the, the committee's thinking and, and how they stack up all the resumes. But the most important thing is if we're in, we're in. That's right. Yeah. And it's been a long time since we've been able to say that. So we certainly shouldn't take it for granted. Uh, yeah. So and if they're, if they're a 10 seed actually, and they play a seven and they beat the seven seed, then they play the two, I believe, you know, granted the two beats the 15. So, you know, you get a little bit of an easier opponent, you know, if they're a 10 seed. So it's really, really at the end of the day, not a, not a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So, I mean, it's like everybody has to play everybody at some point. So it's like, you're just gonna, you're going to play the team in front of you and you're going to try to beat them. So, uh, totally understand that mentality. So have a, uh, a somewhat, or no, I have a, I have a related question here. It doesn't really pertain to the game that Penn state played to, uh, today. It doesn't pertain to the game that Penn state played tomorrow, but really kind of a, a reflection on the season as a whole, because one thing that occurs with teams that are really good, or especially with teams that 
get really good after not being so good for a couple of years or a long stretch of time is that other programs start to come and knock in for your coaching staff. And we're starting to see some rumblings of Micah Shrewsbury possibly being courted by the likes of Georgetown and Notre Dame. So what are some of your thoughts on this, uh, on these right now rumors, but um, people are talking about it. It's uh, going to be interesting to see how Penn State responds. Maybe they offer him a contract. So I guess my question to you is, do you think Micah Shrewsbury is going anywhere after this season? Um, that is a really, really tough question to answer. Uh, I do think that uh, Notre Dame is definitely more of a threat than Georgetown, uh, You know, being not in a power five. Um, I feel like a school like Georgetown, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm just, this is, I don't have the numbers in front of me or anything. Um, but I don't think they're going to have quite the money, a school like no, a big school like Notre Dame is does. So I think Notre Dame definitely is a, a bigger threat because, you know, Shrewsbury, as we know, is from Indiana. Um, you know, he, he was born in Indianapolis, so he'll be close home to his family. Um, which I'm sure he would, you know, like Notre Dame's a, a good program, you know, big school like, like Penn State. So, you know, he does have a lot of Indiana roots and, uh, you know, Notre Dame, I don't know how they stack up compared to Penn State in terms of NIL, but I know Coach Shrewsbury did say that NIL is uh, one of the areas where Penn State is, you know, severely lacking compared to the football program. And that makes it hard to compete. And, you know, Uh, We talked about on the podcast, you know, in football, about half of, you know, being a coach is being able to recruit talent. That's half the business. So you got to get the best players to come to your university and your program. So um, either way, Coach Cruz is going to be able to do that. But if he gets more money at Notre Dame, that might make it easier. Um, The ACC um, doesn't seem to be quite as competitive as, as the Big Ten, you know, from a depth perspective, one to 14 or one to 15 in the ACC's case. So, you know, it might be an attractive job opportunity if if they pay offer him more money and it's close to his family. Um, D.C., maybe, um, you know, Georgetown is a good program. You know, maybe since they don't shell out all that money to football, because I don't even know if they have a football team, you know, maybe they put all that money in the basketball program and he can get more recruits, but you know, he does have his, his son committed to coming here next year. So, you know, maybe he'll want to stay around Penn state and he has said he loves his guys and, and everything, but, uh, money and, and, uh, NIL stuff and, you know, the opportunity, like the Notre Dame job to potentially be closer to his family. Uh, you know, those are factors that, uh, might persuade, uh, persuade him to, you know, be leaving Happy Valley. Uh, hopefully he stays, but um, if we uh, make a bigger offer and do better with NIL stuff, I, I I hope that's enough to keep him around. Yeah, my take on it is I'm just really glad that Patrick Kraft is at Penn State right now because he's somebody who has been nothing but just full on in support of Penn State athletics uh, You know, during his short time. So far, and Which that's not to say right, that director, I hope you would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean, but I'm saying that like he he's just been very vocal about like we're going to expand here. We're going to invest here and we're going to really make sure that we're like a, a national class program in all shapes and form. You know, basically, you know, he went to James Franklin and said, hey, like, what do we need? 
in order to put us into the conversation with the likes of like Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama and stuff like that. Like, tell me what you need and I'll do everything that I can get to get us there. And, you know, he was shown all around the Big Ten wrestling championships and stuff like that. He's been, um, you know, heavily involved with the uh, basketball program. You know, there's been a lot of uh, detailed uh, reports of his conversations with Shrewsbury and stuff like that. Like he wants to grow Nittany Lion basketball and things like that. So I guess uh, I'm just kind of speaking about it more from like a rapport standpoint. Like we, I just think that we can feel confident that we have somebody who's going to do everything in his power to make sure that Shrewsbury uh, feels welcomed and that he feels supported at Penn State because, uh, you know, this is like this is James Franklin to USC talk every year sort of stuff, you know, like when you, mm-hmm. when you do well, this is just the side effect of it and um you know so kind of think about it kind of in a positive light in a way uh but you know i think that penn state uh there was an interesting article that put out today um and uh it just spoke about how it's time for penn state to prioritize basketball more and given that this is the second time in four years or what should have been the second time in four years that Mm -hmm. penn state will have made the tournament kind of seems like now is the right time to really uh just put a little bit more effort into it instead of uh, putting all their chips on football. Because I mean, obviously football is, is killing it and they're a huge money machine for the university, but basketball is, uh, you know, doing some really good things too. And Shrewsbury really seems like the guy to lead them. So um, it'll be interesting to see for sure. Just wanted to get your, your take on it. Um, Shrewsbury, when asked about it today, basically, you know, gave the, the perfect coach answer where he's like, listen, like I have nothing but tunnel vision for this tournament. Like, hopefully the NCAA tournament and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm here for my guys. I'm here for this season and stuff like that. So I'm not thinking about anything like that, uh, at this point in time. So, you know, he's, uh, he's just, uh, he's our guy for now. <laughs> we can yeah. And, that. uh, if I, if I'm Patrick Kraft, uh, you know, putting on my, uh, my master's degree in, in sport administration here, uh, I'm using the uh, blueprint that Alabama has used and I'm going to coach for and I'm saying, Hey, you know, we're obviously like a football first school, you know, just because of, you know, it's a, it's a blue blood, blue blood program in college uh, football. But hey, look what Alabama has done. So I would be trying to be looking at the best practices that Alabama has utilized. And, you know, they're a top four, top five team and, you know, trying to get those resources allocated to the basketball program. And, you know, like you said, with Taylor Battle in uh, 2011, making the tournament that, you know, that run to the you know, championship when we were in high school and then having maybe some, you know, up and down performances, you know, on the years in between and then doing well with like the, the Tony Carr and Lamar Stevens teams. And then, you know, heading to the Jalen Pickett era and Seth Lundy era. So, you know, I'm going to be looking at the blueprint that Alabama has done to try to get the, the basketball program caught up with, you know, the football program and, and even just, you know, Coach Shrewsbury making the Big Ten championship this year—that is absolutely huge. His, his and only players, his second year with the program, too. Yeah, it's his second year with the program. He's gotten them all the way to the championship game, and you know, I think he's just showed what he's able to do. And you know, if I'm a, a graduate transfer with you know that my extra COVID eligibility, so like, let's say I was at a big program like you know, like Duke or UNC, and you know, I. I did my four years, got my degree and, you know, maybe I want to get a master's degree somewhere else. And I'm looking, I'm Penn state's a place I'm looking for, you know, coach Shrews, you know, 
pretty much everything he's touched has, you know, turned to gold. You know, you look at guys like Jalen Pickett being an All-American. You got Andrew Funk leading the Big Ten in three-pointers made. Uh, you have, you know, Mikey Hen doing big things. You know, so pretty much everything Shrewsbury has touched has gotten better, you know, in in a sense. So, you know, if, uh, you know, if I'm a transfer, I, I think, you know, Penn State is definitely a prime location, uh, you know, for those graduate transfers to go. 100% agreed. It'll be, uh, you know, kind of a destination as long as Shrewsbury is there and Penn State continues to move in the right direction. And so far, the needle is pointing nowhere but up. But, uh, you know, before we close out this podcast, we do uh, need to celebrate some players of the game for this uh, clutch out win against Indiana. So I think we've, uh, you know, kind of talked about some other interesting things up here, but want to make sure that we uh, talk about, talk up our guys here. So Vince, uh, you want to shout out a guy that you want to give the Fidali fighter award to? Yes, I do. Uh, Fidali fighter. You got to go Jalen Pickett, your senior yep. leader. Um, you know, he, he was, was a little down from, you know, some of his statistical numbers in the first two matchups, but tonight he showed up the first half. He had 14 second half. He had 14, you know, especially down the stretch when Penn State went on that big run to build up the lead to 15. Um, you know, he was the guy, you know, leading that operation. He had eight rebounds tonight, four assists. Um, overall, just really great performance. Nine of 10 from the free throw line. That was huge. So he's going to earn my award for Fidali Fighter tonight. Nice. How about you? Who has earned your Bird Brawler award? It's going to Seth Lundy tonight. Uh, second leading scorer on the team with 16 points, but most importantly, made 100% of his free throws. You know, that was the hallmark of the thing that Penn State needed to do in this game uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, they weren't going to put themselves in a hole like they did against Illinois and against Northwestern. And uh, Lundy, in, you know, more ways than one, was leading that charge. So he gets the award today, um, you know, really just continuing a solid string of play in the Big Ten tournament. Um, I'm confident in saying that Penn State quite literally could not have done it without him uh so far so you know just hoping that he uh Pickett, funk and a bunch of others can keep the train rolling tomorrow no pun intended yeah and uh he would have been my second choice had you stolen Pickett from me uh and <laughs> if, you didn't, if you did not mention his free throws i was going to be sure to mention it so uh you know right. kudos for you know picking that important stat up and you know free throws were huge and i really like how efficient Seth has been, it's like almost as if I said that on the podcast, he needs to don't not force the three and drive more. And then he just started doing it. And, uh, you know, the past two games, I've been happy with all of his decisions. And, uh, so, you know, decision-making has led to their success and, you know, that's a kudo to him. And then our last uh, award, Maggie wanted to give the Mahoney Mahler award to Keva Jai. Uh, I thought he had a really nice game today. Uh, six points was two or three from the field. Nine rebounds, led the team, one assist, no turnovers, and also, like Seth Lundy, perfect from the free throw line, which is an area where he's he has struggled a little bit. He was two two for two tonight. So, you know, really nice performance from Kevin Jai. And he was getting, you know, really starter minutes with the rest of the guys up there. Most of the games he's he's been playing about, you know, 10, 11 minutes. Tonight he got 26 and you know. He showed Coach Shrews that, that he really deserved the minutes tonight with how he was playing. 
Yeah, 100%. What do you think the outlook of a guy like him is uh, for his second year in the program? I mean, obviously, um, he's seen limited action uh, in some different spots depending on the matchup. But what do you think the ceiling is for a guy like Kepa Jai who you know, will have a year of college basketball under his belt and even some NCAA tournament experience? Like, What kind of player do you think that we're going to be seeing in year two and beyond? I do think that next year he can kind of be like a guy like Julian Reese on Maryland. I think he can make that year one to year two jump. Uh, I think the weight room is going to help Keba Jaya out a lot. There's definitely times where you um, see him getting pushed around a lot, unlike a Mikey Hen. Um, his defense is still going to be very good. Uh, I think he'll get, maybe get a couple more blocks. And then... Uh, free throw line. If he improves from the free throw line and is able to draw more contact and create more fouls, um, you could see him racking up some more points around the paint. Well, it'd be nice to see, you know, kind of a nice, uh, or, you know, a strong presence, uh, from a big man there. Um, and obviously there's a ton of promise with him being such a highly touted recruit. So, uh, it's going to be exciting to see, but we still do have a game to play tomorrow. The big 10 championship game against the Purdue Boilermakers at three 30 Eastern time. Um, like we said, it's going to be a difficult matchup. Purdue is a really, really great team, but Vince, do you have a communion prediction, uh, for this three? match against uh, the Purdue Boilermakers. My prediction is that Jalen Pickett is going to have a very big day. I'm going to predict that, you know, he operates a lot in the mid range game and I'm going to say he has 30 points or more. Nice. All right. I like it. Yeah. He, uh, what did, did he almost get to that mark in this game? What did he have? Like 28 points? Yep. He had 28 tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so my community prediction, I'm I'm quite literally going to ride this thing until the wheels fall off. Vince, um, I've predicted the same thing for each game <laughs> so far. And Penn State has won. I'm predicting it again. It's going to be a Jalen Pickett triple double. <laughs> so, triple double. Yeah. Like, so he's due, he's due for one. He hasn't had yeah. one. He had like one in December, <laughs> I think. So he's due. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if it's going to be a, a score or a stat line of 30, 10 and 10, then I am 100 percent OK with it. So we can both be right. And uh, that'll just mean that he'll, you know, have been just playing lights out against Purdue. So um, hopefully both of our predictions will come true. But yeah, I'm, I'm just going to keep predicting that until uh, until Penn State loses. Like, I'm not going to mess with that mojo. Yeah, don't mo- if it if it if it is not broken, don't fix it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So um, obviously, you know, Penn State's had to play a lot of basketball in the last four days. Uh, some really tough games, even some ones that went into overtime. Uh, so the lines may be a little fatigued, but obviously Purdue has had to play uh, an equal number of basketball games. Um, well, they did so, have one less because they had the double buy. So, Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah so they did right. have one less and uh, you know, they, they did, they did pull away from Rutgers and Ohio state in the second half. So, you know, they were not stressed out uh, like we were watching on TV. You know, I, I saw the, the Purdue in the second half, they started to pull away. I'm like, all right, they, they got it. So, and they, they kept Ohio state. They won by 14 and, uh, Rutgers, I think they also beat by double digits. So, uh, you know, they haven't been, you know, super, uh, you know, under stress a lot. They were in the first half by in, in both games. But in the second half, you know, they really asserted themselves as the better team and really took over the game. Uh, you know, one thing that I do think can go into Penn State's favor is that no one expects Penn State to win this game. Uh, you know, and they're House taking money. The wine. Yeah, they're playing the why not us mentality. and. 
Uh, when you play that way, you play free, you play fast, you play confident. And, uh, you know, Purdue, if, if things start going bad early, when you're supposed to be this, you know, number one team in the nation, you know, this big favorite, and, you know, you have to claw, claw your way back in and, and fight back and things don't go your way, you know, um, then maybe that doubt starts to creep in their head. You know, basketball, you know, just as much as a physical game is, is a big mental game. So, you know, you got to be mentally and emotionally right. So if they're not emotionally right and that pressure starts to creep in, um, that's when you might get a formula for an upset. So with all those factors in mind, obviously, uh, like you said, Purdue has not been super pre- hasn't been pressed super hard through their run in the Big Ten tournament, whereas Penn State has had to kind of claw their way through. What do you think the final score will look like when the clock hits zeros? Yeah, I do think this is going to be very competitive in the first half. I would not be surprised if Penn State has a, a small lead at halftime like they did in the first matchup in the Palestra. Uh, but, but at the end of the day, uh, I, I just don't think it's going to be enough to get, to get over the Boilermakers. And I think the uh, Boilermakers will win 78-68. Uh, gotcha. So another somewhat comfortable victory. Yeah, but um, if you know, they lost by... 13 and they lost by 20. So this would be a a big improvement either way. Yeah, (laughs) that's a, that's a fair way to think about it. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm just gonna, uh, like I said, keep riding my, my, uh, my train. Well, I don't want to keep calling it a train because of the Boilermaker. So I'll call it a bus, (laughs) my bus of optimism. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, there we go. The bird, the bird bus of optimism. That's a, that, that should be a thing. But, um, so, you know, along with the Jalen Pickett triple-double, I have not picked against Penn State so far this tournament. And just like with the Jalen Pickett triple-double prediction uh, streak, I am also going to pick or I'm also going to continue the picking Penn State to win streak. So I'm going to take Penn State in an upset 75 to 71. Penn State will win their first Big Ten title in basketball. Oh, my God. That would feel so good. And especially have that happen in the first year of the Nittany Blues podcast. Like, how special would that be? Yeah, we would have like one hell of a claim to make to, you know, just the zeitgeist of Penn State athletics where, you know, the very first time that we or the very first year that we put this out into the world, Penn State football wins their second Rose Bowl. And, you know, the magic happens with uh with basketball on top of, you know, a really strong run at the national title for wrestling and like all these other sports that are just currently killing it right now. I mean, even men's volleyball just beat the number one team in the country. They were undefeated before last night, Vince. Like, yep. That's Beating the kind of Hawaii. impact we're having here. Yeah. And, and wrestling doing, doing their thing, like always, uh, you know, Penn state winning the, the, or the Rose bowl for, since the, we were like two or three years old, so like, you know, a lot of big things happening with this podcast, a lot of big things happening with the Nittany Lions and very happy, uh, you know, to be covering at this time, uh, you know, just just because it's more fun to cover, cover the team when they're doing well. So, yeah, uh, we like we like to take credit, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's all uh, us. You know, no. <laughs> it, it's us. It's us. It's it's a co- it's not a coincidence. Uh, us being <laughs> yeah. in the universe and, you know. Talking about the teams is, I, I think, uh, you know, raising Penn State uh, emo- in a spiritual way, we'll say, uh, yeah. to their victory. That's so. right. Yeah, we have like some kind of karmic presence that's, uh, you know, just doing doing good things for the Nittany Lions. Yeah, and if uh, if Penn State wins the Big Ten Championship, like, they need to make a movie about this team or something. Like, 
you have these like the small team who you know over overcomes the Goliath of Zach Eady. Uh, like you know, they was it's the ultimate David and Goliath story, and you know the turmoil of you know the team losing four games and you know being an NIT team and then coming back and winning uh, seven of eight games. Uh, you know, it might have been eight eight or nine after today. Um, so I think that'd be a, a great story. You know, especially if they win the Big Ten championship and you know make a good run deep into the tournament. Uh, yeah, you can make a movie about this team. They're they're so fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's especially true if they uh, make like a, a sweet 16 or, you know, like if the universe permits an elite eight <laughs> run in the tournament, like just how how crazy like would that be? So, you know, obviously uh, still more work to be done. Um, Penn State is going to be back on the floor tomorrow for their fifth game in uh, or no, what would it be? Uh, Illinois, Northwestern. Indiana. So they'll be back for their fourth game in as many games or in as many days. Uh, so lots of basketball for the Nittany Lions this week. So far, they are clawing and fighting their way to victory, and we're hoping that they continue to do it again tomorrow. So Vince, any last thoughts before we head out of here? Yeah. Hey, crazier things have happened. You have like Kemba, Kemba Walker leading UConn to a national championship when uh, you know UConn was not the highest seed. I think they're like a five seed or something. So, you know, uh, they weren't favorited to win the Big East. Uh, they weren't favorited to win the NCAA tournament, but they did it anyway. And, uh, you know, in the words of uh, uh, my high school track coach, he said, seeds don't mean shit. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, seeds don't mean anything. It it's all depends on who shows up on the day and who executes. And uh, we hope that that will be the Nittany Lions. That's right, man. Why not us? Why not us? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Jalen Pickett put it perfectly. So... Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening today. Tomorrow, don't miss the game. It's going to be a 3.30 tip-off on CBS Sports. If, you like, if you'd like to support the pod, please tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review so that other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us. Interested in new episodes? You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening, and we want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. See you next time.